An Angus show heifer who'd never had any problem keeping weight on. In fact, she had always been healthy and a little bit over-conditioned. After her second calf, she was suddenly wasting away. What's wrong? Find out next on Bovine Science with BCI. And I'm Brad White. Happy to have Dr. Matt Meisner with me this morning. Morning, Matt. Happy to be here again. This is a this is a great example. We'll talk through this case, but this is a this happens maybe more often than we think about we've got a cow and she's doing good and then she starts losing weight. So there's some common things that, that we would start to think about. I'll give a little bit more background. She was four years old, second calf, uh, had the calf about four months ago. So it's not uncommon for cows to lose weight at that stage of the production cycle. What are some of your first thoughts when, when you hear about this case? Sure. I, I think uh, it's absolutely a, a common presentation or a complaint from a from a client about a about an animal they have and um, what we're starting to try to figure out to be from the get-go is I want to know how fast it's happened and then the uh, uh, severity of it you know because you're right you're going to lose some condition after a calf but usually this is always followed with this condition it's followed by it's a pretty dramatic uh, presentation a lot of weight over a fairly short period of time yeah. So we think about a body condition score as 100 to 120 pounds, and this cow may have lost a body condition score or two. Yep. And the, and the problem is, just like many things, we don't notice gradual changes. They seem all of a sudden, right? It, it seems like it happened yesterday, but it's been going on for a little bit of time. In this case, as they went out to grass, they, they also noted maybe a little bit of diarrhea, but also pretty good appetite. Right. Yep. Another part of these mysteries is that, uh, you know, we're looking for causes of weight. Are we trying to determine if the cow's um, ill or not? Are there any signs of outward signs of illness? And then season, you know, in this situation, uh, some of the clinical signs could just be part of the transition. You know, it's it would, and oftentimes, you know, we're getting times of year that could complicate our, our diagnostics. Green grass diarrhea. Yep. No. <laughs> so it's not uncommon. We go to green grass, we know what happens, and things loosen up. Yes, literally. they do. Right. So, but her calf's doing good. Things are well, but she's been losing weight. So she comes in for a physical exam. What'd you find on physical? Physical exam is a fairly unremarkable, you know, uh, uh, I guess, clinical signs as far as temperature, pulse, respiration. They all look good. The cow looks bright. She's not ataxic. She's not having any signs of weakness uh, outwardly. You know, she looks pretty good. She's just thin. R- ruminations? Good. Good. Body score? Uh, she has dropped a couple, and she's down in, around the five, four to five range. So she's getting she's getting pretty skinny, you know. So you can see her ribs, yeah, and you can see her hooks, pins. You're starting to see uh, skeletal structures, and otherwise she looks pretty aware of, of life. Okay. And then a little bit of edema under her yeah. mandible. Yeah. And that's one thing you can notice as you get up and you start feeling around, um, you have a little bit of a pitting edema. So, you know, fairly still have some winter coat, some long hair. You put your hand on them and you start feeling areas that feel like, you know, pitting edema. So, you know, the wet sandbag type uh, uh, of appearance. All right. So differentials at this point. Differentials. Uh, certainly, we kind of jump to the, the scary ones just to kind of keep in the back of our mind. But hey, you know, it's spring. Um, she's gone through some things. We've got some, uh, obviously, a, a big clinical sign would certainly be the diarrhea that's that's happening. And so, hey, you know, could be parasites. You know, you, 
you always start with simple. You hate to miss simple. So yeah. um, let's look for some potential immersion of some uh, ostertasia, some of those other parasites that could have snuck through the winter. So absolutely yeah. parasites. She's fairly bright and alert. You know, the, the big one comes to mind, yonis. But we talked in the past about tumors, so certainly infiltrative tumors that'll look bright and alert uh, that show up that have intestinal problems that will show these uh, malabsorptive diarrheas and weight loss that are dramatic too. She's in that age range. So we've got, you know, things that are going to be slow smoldering that are not going to be acute inflammatory. So, you know, parasites, Yoni's disease, and tumors, those kind of things come to mind. And and she's four, which maybe raises up parasites on my list a, a little bit just because she's younger and with the edema we're thinking hypoproteinemia sure okay. yep um yeah she done other things for edema i mean we talked about we talked about hardware disease and those kind of things and and that could certainly do it back end i should see some a little bit of a sicker cow she she shouldn't look like she wants to eat has a good appetite right, right alert yep. if we're yep. if we're doing something like that because you could get that with hardware or peritonitis some of those aspects as well mm-hmm. but yep Okay. So what'd you do further diagnostics? So further diagnostics start simple. Um, we can just run a PCV and total protein and just see if she's dehydrated or if she's got some protein loss. Absolutely. We see some low protein beyond our physical exam and nothing else was palpating normal. And then we can just run a, a complete blood count and that. So and, and serum chemistry. And the important part of here when we're trying to determine a hypoproteinemia, I'm kind of trying to figure out uh, on a chemistry, is it you know, an albumin that's low. Do we have globulins that are changed? So we get a nice protein profile out of these, which is uh, certainly helpful on this. And when her chemistry comes back, she's what I would call kind of pan hypoproteinemic. So low globulins, low albumin, um, the overall protein is looking pretty low. What would it tell you if she was low on albumin or low on globulins, one or the other? Um, you can you can make a ratio. It kind of gives you an idea of chronicity of loss. Um, Possibly we've got more of a, an immune stimulant type thing, so globulins could be a little bit higher than albumin. Albumin's a negative acute phase protein, so I oftentimes see that drop with abscesses. And in her case, if I thought I had an abscess, usually the fibrinogen is up, so another protein okay, that we're looking at, fibrinogen, globulins, albumin. Albumin being one of those, again, a negative acute phase if it's an abscess, which certainly could be going on in this case, right? Yep. Yeah, and that so, would fit because yep. she could still have a good appetite and be having problems. Sure, but her fiber engine's normal. Her fiber engine's normal. So we're not seeing anything here that's making me, well, I'll, I'll use my words carefully. I was going to say infectious, but it doesn't seem like there's anything that's making her toxic, septic, elevated fever, high fiber engine in the blood work. Exactly. No. So it's, it's fairly unremarkable otherwise. So, you know, even with a ongoing diarrhea, we're about electrolytes sometimes, and it's pretty normal in this cow. Okay. So then you decided, based on that, you're going to run some follow-up tests. Sure. Um, oh, we did a fecal, too. So, and it was, oh, it was boring. Yep. Yeah. For parasites, no sure. parasites. Yep. And okay. uh, there's nothing in there. So at this point, um, the other kind of differentials of, of, of disease start to come into mind, and it's going to require some specific testing. And uh, so at this point, you know, you, you start really thinking of yonis. And so we're going to require some specific. And there's a couple of ways you can go. You can test manure or you can test serum. What do you decide to do in this case? Clinical disease, a, a, a cow that's showing some clinical signs, serum is going to be pretty simple, quick, and um, believable test. And so we submitted serum, um, and then we can confirm with fecal PCR2. Uh, and so we, we went ahead and did both, but in case that we didn't had had to choose one or the other in a cow like this, it's going to be serum and a serum ELISA for Yoni's disease. Yep. And you also, for completeness, you ran a 
BLV bovine leukosis sure. test as well. Mm-hmm. What did it show you? Uh, go, lo and behold, it'd be positive. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that was what you. That's, that was one of the differentials that you were wondering about. So, is this leukosis? Uh, we still need to find that out, right? <laughs> so, um, the other tests we're running, if those are positive, be more likely. But absolutely right, a positive BLV doesn't mean BLV. But um, yeah. certainly, still on the table in, in this case. And uh, you know, to say they couldn't have two things going on as well. But yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, again. Yeah. But the yonis is going to supersede, and we yes. t- we've talked about BLV before, and that many animals will be positive, may or may not be contributing. It, it certainly could fit with parts of the case history but then when you get the yonis back what positive yeah and so we get a serum uh, serum hit on a positive yonis for this case and the next part when you test for it and you get a positive you not only get a positive you get a um, what we would call an sp ratio and um, that's important to evaluate as well and that kind of gives you a secondary thing of how positive she is or what the likelihood of her shedding is, um, which is an important part of that test. And so we get it back and um, her, I think her SP ratio, uh, gosh, I forget what it was. I think it was down around one, 1. 1.6, it says yep. here. So pretty positive, Cal. Yeah, so pretty positive. And then on the fecal, you did p- fecal PCR and you got a cycle time or CT of 26.93. What does that cycle time mean? So again, that's another one that kind of, on a PCR, again, another portion of that positive, uh, certainly positive, but you get a, an estimate on shedding and, and concentration in the feces. Uh, this is what I try to, it's simple for me to remember cycle time. It's how fast that PCR picked it up. And so if it's, if there's a lot in there, that, that PCR is going to hit positive quickly. And so lower, more positive. The lower, the more positive. And yep. less than 30 is a lot of yeah. times a cutoff that yeah. people use. Yeah. And we've had them in the teens. So um, it can be the lower, the more positive. Absolutely. Yep. So she's got yonis. Now yep. what? Now the discussion <laughs> now, starts. Now the discussion. Right. We're going to so, have to have the talk. Exactly. Right. It's a it's a terminal disease. You've got something a cow that's been part of the family, you know, and um, but not only that. Now you've got a herd problem to to deal with, and you know it's interesting how um, unfamiliar with this disease the bovine community still is or cattle uh, beef community for sure the beef side beef side yeah. absolutely you know, uh, dairy they're a lot more um, aware of it but um yeah you mentioned yoni said okay so how do we treat that oh yeah all right so you start from some square one is this is a, a terminal disease it's not only a terminal disease for this individual but this individual has now exposed others in the herd for quite a period of time before yeah. you actually saw her losing weight yeah, yeah, because that exposure and it's fecal oral is the primary mode of passage, but you can get it through. There's a little bit transmammary, transuterine, but primarily fecal oral. Absolutely. Yep. And it's fecal oral and it's to the young ones. Usually. Yeah. So the oral part is almost always those calves under six months of age. Yep. Right. So terminal diagnosis for her. So the plan is to euthanize her. Sure. Yep. And uh, you can confirm a diagnosis at necropsy. And just having that discussion that euthanasia, um, again, it's terminal. It helps identify it for sure, and it prevents her from continuing to shed it. Okay. So now we have to deal with the repercussions of this. So the calf, and I don't know if it was a steer or heifer, but let's say it was a heifer. What do we do with that calf? Can I keep it in my herd? Do I have to, should I sell it? What, 
What are your thoughts? So the safest, uh, knowing that she's been around this positive for a while, is probably to um, move it down road and eliminate it because testing is not as straightforward in the young one as it would be. So you could potentially test this calf and be negative. It likely would be negative. Yeah. Yeah, oh, great, great point. Because we said we te- we test the cow, and we're like, oh yeah, she's positive, and we said she's really positive, and so the uh, question might be, should I test that calf? Well, testing that calf's not going to tell me anything. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And uh, what we're finding now is there's going to be intermittent periods as this calf matures that they will occasionally shed um, if they are positive before they become test positive, and so they are a risk. And so, so I keep it with my replacement heifers. I could be shedding at a time that they're still susceptible to get yonis through yes. or the calves that are out there on the farm right so in that case with that calf i might want to get rid of that individual calf that came from this cow regardless of where it was uh, i'm going to go back to we said the young less than six months are most likely to get infected but i'm a little surprised that she was showing clinical signs at four i had in my head this would be six seven eight year olds old cows am i am i off base no this is this is a pretty typical time and it, it oftentimes will depend on the loading dose they got as a calf i've seen it as early as 18 months showing clinical signs and weight loss and those are cases where they just were swimming in it likely and then you know and some just respond different so that's a pretty common time frame to get it Okay. So with that presentation, now we know not only we've had the cow and her calf that we're going to, we euthanized her. You were able to confirm in this case that it was Yoni's based on the histopathology of her gut, right? Right. And then the calf is going to go as well. What do we do for the rest of the herd? Is this, is this a test and eradicate? Is this a manage as individual cases come up? What's your what's your plans for the rest of the group? So at this point, we start looking at the farm or, or the ranch itself, and you start identifying risk factors. And so each farm ranch, they're going to have different areas of risk. They're going to have different concentrations of risk, and there's going to be different directions to take for screening, surveillance, uh, identification of, of others that might show up. And, and I think you're spot on because I made an assumption and I said, should we keep this heifer or not? Because I assume they're keeping replacement heifers. Right. But if they're not keeping replacement heifers, if they're buying them in from somewhere else, or if they're buying any of their young stock that were raised somewhere else, my Yoni's control limitations are challenging because right. it's, it's reliant on somebody else. Right. And it's going to be some, some ethical decisions made here, too, because, you know, you're going to get rid of this calf and you don't want to just pawn it off on the next person. So, you know, sometimes making hard decisions that way, too. You know, maybe this one goes, you know, you make a decision to take this calf to, you know, slaughter only because yeah. um, you don't want to give it to the next one. You know, but, but I'm OK with. Well, I'll ask you uh, if I send it as a feeder calf and put it either market for slaughter only or say this should be a feeder heifer or if it's a steer it's easy then they're going to go to a feedlot any concerns about yonis there 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 are some i mean but at least the you know this is this gets into some other discussions and we talk about potential zoonoses and different things that are going to come down the line but you know those individuals in a feedlot situation should be marketed before or whatnot before they show clinical signs and hopefully before they're shedding severely and we wouldn't expect any 
If they're not showing clinical signs, I wouldn't expect any performance loss, wouldn't expect any problems, typically. Typically, but I think as now, as things come around, we're starting to try to collect that data. And so how much are they actually underperforming in a feedlot yeah. and potentially having other issues? The problem is we can't really test them. Nope. Right? You have to know if they came from, because we made a diagnosis on the individual cow, but really what we did was we diagnosed that the herd is positive. Now, if you get down and say which ones in the herd are positive, right. That's way hard. It's way hard. It's, it becomes hard. And so, the, you know, oftentimes when we talk about screening in a herd, you know, you're trying to do random sampling and whatnot. Well, that's great. We can do some environmental testing. But in this case now, as we're surveilling it and we know we have it, we're actually targeting those that might be underperforming or might have a little bit of a poorer body condition. So we can specifically target those to test, but even that those are sometimes difficult to get to. The testing is becoming much better. You think back to, uh, you know, when we went through vet school and you had to get a culture and it would take months to yeah. get an answer. You know, now we've got some PCRs and some ser- serology. Because they would grow it. Yes. At yes. that point. And, you, and they'd say, yeah, we'll contact you in 90 days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, crazy. You yeah. Know, so, so it's getting much, much, much better and much more sensitive. Uh, but there's still some limitations. But it's not, a, it's not a test problem, really. It's a who we're testing right. problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's if, if we test them, she could be positive and going to break at four years old. But I can't test her as a heifer. Right. And I can't test her as she. And, and that's the other thing that becomes an issue, too, is I've heard people say, well, geez, I'll screen cattle coming into my herd because I'm buying these yearling replacement heifers. That's not going to help. Yeah. It, it might. Again, you might pick up some. Um, but then, then again, it's going to be to observe, you know, keeping close eye on things. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe some routine testing. Again, these are going to be individual decisions on farmer ranches, and, and some people might want to do a routine, regular testing period of time, targeting individuals, doing some. There are environmental strategies. You can pick up um, areas where they might be uh, congregating or in areas that are conducive for maintenance of this bug. You know, yeah. So um, there, there's a whole bunch out there, and it's, again, it's a long discussion. We can go, like we talked, we can go a long time on Yonis and make an individual um, scenarios that arise. Yeah, and, and one of the things we talked about, it is transmitted fecal, oral. It is the young calves are most susceptible. So one of the analogies or parallels that I've drawn in the past and get your thoughts is, if we're managing and preventing calf scours well, we're managing a lot of the same risk factors that we would for transmitting yonis. Right. Calf scours transmitted the same way, except calf scours I see right now, right? Whereas yonis I may not see for years, but it's the same thing. We're getting fecal-oral contamination. So we'd use a lot of the same strategies, manage feeding areas, manage watering, loafing areas, that sort of thing. Is that, that what you're saying? Yep, absolutely. So again, there's a whole bunch of strategies, but I think we start off with these folks, especially when they just become aware of it. It's like, we're going to start basic. You just got to keep uh, the manure uh, from getting into that calf, you know, and that's that's the big place. So congregation areas, you know, mud, calving management, those kind of things are going to limit that transmission and uh, go from there. On, you know, on the dairy side, we talk a lot about colostral management. On the beef side, we talk a lot about manure management to the calf itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other things that was an important take home from this case that you kind of put down as you were putting your thoughts together about this as you said don't assume your producers know about yonis right it's, it's not even on their radar screen whereas parasites if you said hey this might be parasites i think everybody would go oh yeah that makes sense but yonis may not be on their radar screen right you know and this in other states um you diagnose and this is important 
to be aware of as you start testing. This is a, um, you know, this is a controlled disease or... Um, yeah, it's a reportable disease reportable. in many states. Yeah, I want to say in Iowa, if it's reported and it's positive, that individual goes right then and there to, to slaughter. And so it's a screening in Kansas still at this point is one of those uh, diseases that we observe. It's reportable for, this, for the sake of observation and figuring out the surveillance, you yeah. know, so that's important. And... Um, but yeah, making them aware of it, I think, is is the key, and uh, knowing what we're getting into when we start testing and where we're going to go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a great case and a good example that we do see this in beef herds, and it's not—I I wouldn't say frequent, but it's also not rare. No, no, absolutely not. And you see areas of the bug lives a little bit better, um, where there's it's more concentrated. And I think I think the last NOM survey, I think, was it less than fifty percent of beef. Uh, producers are aware of yonis. Yeah. Right? So, so this is a great opportunity to have that conversation because there are a lot of intricacies in the control process. Like you said, there's no cookie cutter plan. We're going to be going back to how do we make this work with your herd? Where are your high risk biosecurity areas? How do you manage that fecal oral spread? So appreciate you sharing this with us today, Matt. Yep. joining us for this case great and like I say we can think a whole bunch of different ways and that this presents and man it it gets into some some really tight discussions with clients and legal issues and all kinds of stuff that can arise with this so yeah it's, that's right well that's the other thing too as you look at operations that are selling breeding mm-hmm. stock you may want to go back and re if you find this out later do you need to reevaluate what we what we sold do i need to have some conversations with people which nobody wants to have those conversations, no. but they're way better to have as soon as you know than right. waiting. Yep. yep. Start, start acting on it right away. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Thanks.